800 AM and 94.9 FM KINY Juno from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Local first. Now, News of the North. Good afternoon. I'm Jazz Garrett from the capital city on KINY. Yesterday, at around 12.40 p.m., staff from Thunder Mountain High School notified the Juno Police Department that a student had a weapon at the school. The principal had immediately contacted the student, isolated him from others, and the weapon was safely secured. Public Safety Manager with JPD, Aaron Kawera, has more. Four JPD officers responded and investigated the event. It was determined that a 15-year-old male student had stolen a BB-style handgun out of a vehicle and walked into the school with it. The male was placed into custody and was transported to and detained at the Johnson Youth Center on two counts of assault in the fourth degree, one count of disorderly conduct, one count of criminal trespass in the second degree, and one count of theft in the fourth degree. Prompt reporting and quick action helped resolve the situation today with minimal disruption. Because school staff were able to immediately locate the student and secure the weapon, it was not necessary to take emergency action, such as implement a school lockdown. JPD and the Juno School District take these matters very seriously, and we appreciate it when students, parents, staff, and community members bring safety issues to our attention. Coast Guard crew members injured in the MH-60 Jayhawk helicopter crash Monday night on Reed Island continue to receive medical care, and the search and rescue case for fishing vessel Lydia Marie is complete. As of yesterday afternoon, the four service members from Coast Guard Air Station Sitka involved in the crash were transported to the Harborview Medical Center in Seattle for a higher level of care via a C-130 Hercules aircraft from Coast Guard Air Station Kodiak. The two Coast Guard members reported to have serious injuries were listed in serious condition, while the other two members were listed in good condition with minor injuries. The crew of the U.S. Coast Guard Cutter Elderberry oversaw the dewatering of the fishing vessel Lydia Marie and escorted the vessel back to Petersburg. There, the crew of the U.S. Coast Guard Cutter Pike conducted a post-search and rescue boarding with no violations, closing the original search and rescue case. On scene weather, at the beginning of the search and rescue evaluation with the Lydia Marie was reported with wind speeds at 28 to 34 miles per hour and seas at 4 to 5 feet. Upon arrival at the scene of the crash, a second Coast Guard MH-60 rescue helicopter reported wind speeds of 46 miles per hour, visibility at one quarter of a mile, and seas at one to two feet. Four people were confirmed aboard the Lydia Marie, and their initial call for assistance was transmitted on VHF FM channel 16 Monday night at approximately 8.06 p.m. The investigation into the cause of the helicopter crash is ongoing. Operator of Public Market Peter Metcalf joined Capital Chat to talk about the 40th annual holiday market. Public Market is the 24th, 25th, and 26th at the Centennial Hall and the Jack. Photographer and author Joel Bennett describes his book about Juno's most beloved wolf, Romeo. It's called The Story of Romeo, and um, it uh, was conceived when I was commissioned to write a libretto for the Orpheus Project five instruments and so it's it's uh, was adapted from that script and basically it tells a story from Romeo's point of view uh, there's been a lot written about Romeo but he's never gotten to write his own story so given my experience and uh, long term interaction with him I thought I could probably uh, know what he was thinking 
He'll be at the public market to discuss his book and answer questions. Metcalf is excited for new vendors and returning vendors alike. We do have 45 new vendors, but we have over 150 vendors in total all over Alaska and the and um, Pacific Coast, as well as one vendor coming in from Chesapeake Bay. He gives more exciting details about this year's public market. We have parking and more parking than probably ever before, and one of the lots is courtesy of Duff Mitchell. Duff and Katrina are longtime friends of mine, and um, the parking is on the seaward side of Centennial Hall, and it's um, dedicated to, I think, think, city parking, but during the public market weekend, it's open to your use, but there's parking all over the place, so don't let that stop you. The other thing to know about the public market is we have really good entertainment. Uh, the Juno Cello Choir will be performing on Friday, and Vox Borealis, the choral group, will be performing at least a couple days, and they will be walking throughout the hall uh, singing their um, holiday songs. This year is dedicated to the memory of Judy Cooper, who participated as a public market vendor from 1994 through 2021. Cooper, a former Juno resident, was living in Gustavus when she passed away at 83 years old in April of this year. Coming up next on News of the North, Capital City Fire Rescue responded to four separate fires between November 8th and November 13th. That story next with Jordan Lewis. Welcome back to News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis. Capital City Fire and Rescue has responded to four separate fires between November 8th and November 13th. On Wednesday, November 8th at approximately 2.22 a.m., CCFR was dispatched to the 8,000 block of Thunder Street for a residential structure fire. The occupants safely evacuated the structure and used a portable fire extinguisher before fire personnel arrived. A fire origin and cause investigation revealed that the fire started in the upstairs bedroom with the electric baseboard heating unit. No injuries were reported and damage is estimated at approximately $500. On Friday, November 10th at approximately 4.46 p.m., CCFR responded to Schweitzer Village Trailer Park for a residential structure fire. Electrical work was being conducted prior to the fire being discovered. The fire origin and cause investigation revealed that the fire started underneath the trailer unit. The heat source was electrical heat tape that was energized before the fire occurred. The electrical contractor used a portable fire extinguisher to try and control the fire until fire personnel arrived. There were no injuries reported and damage is estimated at approximately $200. The American Red Cross was asked to aid the occupants. Then on Monday, November 13th at approximately 9.42 a.m., CCFR responded to the 8900 block of Duran Street for a report of a boat on fire next to a residence. Fire personnel arrived to a 27-foot fiberglass boat parked in the yard next to a single-family residence with smoke and flames visible. The fire was quickly extinguished and there were no injuries reported. The fire origin and cause investigation concluded that the fire started in the cabin area of the boat. The heat source was a portable propane space heater and damage is estimated at approximately $12,000. And on that same Monday at approximately 8.09 p.m., CCFR responded to a, the 3700 block of El Camino Street for a reported residential structure fire in a garage. Upon arrival of fire personnel, a two-vehicle detached garage was fully involved with fire. Fire personnel quickly extinguished the fire and a fire origin and cause investigation was conducted. The investigation revealed that the fire started inside of the garage near a workbench, but the actual cause is undetermined at this time. And the home next to the garage attempted to use a garden hose to extinguish the fire. However, the fire was too large to be effective. Capital City Fire and Rescue would like to remind residents that as winter is settling in, 
be sure to have operating smoke alarms and portable fire extinguishers in your homes. It is also a good idea to have kidney equipment properly inspected and serviced by professionals. And CCFR offers chimney cleaning brushes free to use. You just have to stop by the, their fire station and inquire of the loan out program. The Alaska minimum wage will increase from 10.85 to 11.73 next year. In 2014, Alaska voters passed a ballot initiative to annually adjust the minimum wage for inflation. Alaska Statute 231065A requires the Alaska minimum wage to be adjusted using the Consumer Price Index for urban consumers in the Anchorage metropolitan area, referred to as Anchorage CPIU, for the preceding calendar year. The Anchorage CPIU increased 8.1% in 2022, and as a result, the minimum wage will rise from 1085 to 1173, effective January 1st of next year. The Alaska minimum wage applies to all hours worked in a pay period, regardless of how the employee is paid, whether by time, piece, commission, or otherwise. All actual hours worked in a pay period multiplied by the Alaska minimum wage is the very least an employee can be compensated by an employer unless the employer can clearly show that a specific exemption exists. Salaried employees who are exempt from the minimum wage and overtime requirements under Alaska Statute 231055B as bona fide executive, administrative, or professional employees must maintain a salary that is equivalent to two times the minimum wage for the first 40-hour work. Meaning effective January 1st, the minimum salary for these workers will increase from $868 a week or $45,136 per year in 2023 to $938.40 per week or $48,796.80 per year. And the Department of Labor joined Action Line to discuss their latest Trends magazine on a small decline in fishing jobs. Economist for the Department of Labor and Workforce Development, Joshua Warren, speaks to that. The harvesting jobs have continued to go down ever since the pandemic. We had sort of thought that there might be a spring back like other industries have seen after COVID, and there just hasn't been one in fish harvesting. Warren also talked about factors that could be leading to the decline in fish. It does seem there's a large swath of scientists who've seen a lot of evidence that, especially the snow crab, out in the bearing has seen part of its devastating loss in stock was due to like the heat plop that was a few years ago and just warming waters not working well for that species just increasing their need for calories and increasing their predation so definitely that has had some impacts on harvesting employment in the state this is the region most impacted by job loss that would definitely be the the yukon area they had about a thousand people working in seafood and salmon harvesting before their stocks started to plummet, and now they don't have any in 2021. So it's been very devastating. Like every year, they've had at least 50% de- decrease in jobs. Next year, it won't be much of a decrease because they don't have anything left to lose in the region. Economist Karina Weebled also shares her thoughts on factors causing job decline. There's a lot of kind of fixed costs for fishermen. So if you think about like they've bought their boat or they're paying on their boat, they have an expensive permit. And so that's something that they're not going to be able to use either of those two resources in really a different way. So there's some reasons to think about the sunk cost of fishing and what, like the 
reasons why they would go out, even if price is uncertain or potentially quite low. Other things, though, that could kind of like maybe influence their decision would be prices for all the food that they stock and the people that they're paying to go out with them, the crew, and then gas prices because they've got to gas up those, well, probably diesel is a better <laughs> word to say it, diesel up those boats, and that can be really spendy. And gas prices have changed a lot in the last couple of years, really fluctuated. Now you're up to date with News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis.